our reading is from James, chapter 5, verses 13 to 20. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Thanks, Natalie. Let's pray. Lord, we're looking at a difficult passage here. Please help us to see your mind in this and help us to go out determined to live as you want. For Christ's sake, amen. amen. Now, please do keep your Bibles open uh, on James 5. This passage has been taken out of context and abused in amazing ways. It's used as a, an excuse or as a promise of physical healing if people go through the right rituals. Many faith healers use this passage as a, a pretext for what they teach. But let's put it in its context. Why did James write this letter? The early church was facing remarkable problems, dire problems. They were being tested by external persecution, internal frictions. What was James's concern? Why did he write this? Now, just flick back to the beginning of the book with you. Look at 1 verse 3. The testing of your faith develops perseverance. Verse 4. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. Got the picture what he's after? Look at 12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Now, look, look at the passage just before us. Look at 5.11. We count as blessed those who have persevered. You've heard of James's perseverance, Job's perseverance. Job suffered terribly, but because he persevered with his trust in God, all worked out well. Now, the other key idea uh, in, in, our, in this book and in this passage that Becker sort of emphasized is the need for prayer. Look on now at 5.13. If any of you in trouble, let him, he should pray. So regularly keeping in touch with our Heavenly Father 
is the means, he's saying, of persevering under pressure. Now, some people like to emphasize, you know, how long did you spend in prayer this morning? I think it's much more important. I'm not denying that, but it's far more important to suggest, are we constantly praying during the day? Are we involving the Lord in everything we're doing? That's the secret. Now, look at how today's passage is, is all about prayer. Verse 13, chapter 5. Are you happy? Then as we heard, express this to God. Sing songs of praise to your father. If you're 14, if you're sick, call for the elders to pray. Verse 15, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well and the Lord will raise them up. 16, pray for each other. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Then he talks about Elijah, verse 17. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly. 18, again he prayed. Now you've got to be dim to miss the point, haven't you? What James is saying is he longs for God's people to persevere in living closely with God. And the secret is to keep praying. Have we got that? Now, he saw a problem in the early church. There were some who were saying that they uh, believed the gospel, but it didn't seem to be changing them very much. These people spoke in derogatory ways about other people, but behaving just as if they were non-Christians. And James, look at in the middle, 2.26. Faith without deeds is dead. And he focuses on the way people speak. In fact, the heart of the letter, look on to chapter 4, is it 4, 1 and 2. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you don't have. So you kill, I guess that means, not literally, but by reputation, by gossip. But you cannot, you covet, but you cannot get what you want. You quarrel and you fight. You don't have because you do not ask God. You don't pray. Your mind is not set on what God wants. So James's whole thesis is he wants to remind us all to not to look at ourselves and to see what we'd like, but are we persevering? in being Christ-like. If we're not, then there is a real problem. See, to persevere in living for Christ was what Jesus longs for you and me. And we should want this for other people. So, James's great emphasis throughout the book is two Ps, persevere, and you do it by prayer. Now, let's focus on our, our passage, James 13 to the end. Pray when suffering. Now, suffering is the Christian's lot as much as non-Christians. We're not immune from it. 
And we saw at the beginning of the book, verse 2, 1 verse 2, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. This is going to be our lot. And these trials will come because of circumstances of life, the struggles of life. Uh, maybe because of problems at work or lack of it. It may be because of money or, or lack of it. It may be because of family and children or, or lack of them or because of specific persecution that we face because we're open Christians. Do you remember in the early church in Jerusalem, they were persecuted, uh, they scattered widely because they lost their jobs, couldn't go to the local shops, couldn't go to the synagogue. But this was a great advantage to the gospel. Why? Because all the Christians who are scattered would chat to other people. They'd invite them. You know, come to the baptism garden party. Come and see. Come to church. They spread the gospel about Jesus wherever they went. They were persevering. Or oh, it could be because of problems within the church. Self-promoting. Gossip, pride. Well, whatever the trouble, James's answer is, pray. God is the God of comfort. Whatever you're going through, you can be comforted. So it's stupid to turn away from the living God when we face difficulties. But that's what most people do. We've got to learn to ask God for this heavenly wisdom to live as he wants whatever the circumstances you know the story of when Latimer and Ridley were being uh, burnt at the stake in Oxford they were martyred for the sake of a clear biblical gospel and Latimer says to Ridley be of good comfort Master Ridley and play the man we shall this day light such a candle by God's grace in England as shall never be put out. What enabled Latimer to think like that when he's about to be cruelly burnt to death? Undoubtedly it's because he was in touch with God. He was a man of prayer. Oh, it's so easy uh, when we're in trouble not to pray. It seems... Well, God's not answering. It's a waste of time. And we can even get angry. But our loving Father knows and longs for us to persevere in our relationship with him. Isn't it encouraging when you see people around who are facing all sorts of difficulties, job problems, health problems, and yet who persevere with the Lord Jesus it has a wonderful influence on the church. Now, the next thing, we've got to praise God when cheerful. You've seen this, sing praise. There is a danger when everything's going well, as someone mentioned, that we, uh, we forget God. We've, we forget to pray. We feel we don't need to. Everything's going well. James warns us, keep Jesus busy. Through the good things, thank him. I was reading Psalm 103 recently. 
uh, Psalm of David, and it starts like this. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins. You see, we forget God's benefits. How much joy in the Holy Spirit do we miss out because we fail to keep remembering who God is and what he's done for us? You know, look at Art 513. There's an elegant beauty here. In the whole of life, whether we're happy or unhappy, live in a close relationship with God. Let's keep Jesus busy in all we do. Now we come to this key bit. Will you just scan down 14 to 20? I, won't, I was going to read it out, but I think it'll take too, too long. But it's an appeal to people who are spiritually down. Whatever the cause. As you know, this section causes great dispute uh, based on the, the type of sickness Jesus, uh, James is talking about. Is he talking about people with cancer? Tuberculosis? Or is it sickness of the soul? I'd like to suggest that this is soul sickness, and I think you'll see why. Physical sickness can contribute to this. We all know that. You remember medicine in ancient times didn't think in terms of pathology. We think now, what's the diagnosis? Is it cancer? Is it tuberculosis? Is it autoimmune disease? And, but they didn't. They thought in terms of symptoms. I feel weak, I feel tired, I've got no energy. It's, it's a different situation. Of course, God heals today. If we forget that God is an omnipotent God who can do anything, we've completely missed the picture. Normally, God heals through natural processes. Praise God for natural processes. Sometimes he uses medicine that he's enabled people to discover to help that process. But God is still a supernatural God. He can do anything. A miracle is when a law of nature is broken. It's very specific. God can do miracles. He's not doing them readily. Some people think he's doing them all the time, but God is able to do anything. And this is why we must pray in all circumstances. God is a supernatural God. God does particularly work through circumstances. You know the uh, William Temple, a very godly Archbishop of Canterbury, he was once asked, you know, why do you pray? And he says, well, when I pray, coincidences happen. When I don't pray, coincidences don't happen. I don't know if you ever tried this, when you're going to a party or going for a walk with a dog or doing something. Pray that God will help you to introduce someone to Jesus and see what happens. It is extraordinary the way God answers such prayers. But God never promises that if we get enough faith, 
he'll always heal his people. Can I say that again? God never promises that if we can get enough faith, he will always heal his people. You know, some healers try to manipulate this and uh, b build up people's uh, feelings. You know, some healers, they rebuke Satan and promise healings as a result of their prayers. Such people are, are false prophets. They're sham. Do these people, do they go and pray for amputees? Of course they don't. Do they go into the geriatric ward? No, of course they don't. Do they go to people who are, who are blind, the blind ward? No, they don't. It's all, so much of it is theatrical. But this passage is surely talking about spiritual illness. Now, let's just look at some of the words used in the original. It's a fascinating study. There are four or five key words here. I look them up in, in Vine's Expository Dictionary of New Testament words and see how they're used elsewhere in the Bible. Look at verse 14. RNIV says, is any among you ill? The Greek word is asthenia, which means weak. We've got asthenic. It's, can either be a spiritual weakness or a physical debility because they were all merged. The same word is, the Greek word is used in, in Romans 5. While we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Now look at 15. Our version says, and the prayers of faith will make the sick person well. Now, the sick person there is, is a Greek word, kamno, which means just weary. And that again can mean a physical weariness, emotional weariness, a spiritual weariness. It can be any weariness. And it's a common accompaniment to physical sickness. People are emotionally drained. Now, and the Greek word, therefore, make well, is sozo, which also means to be saved. And again, it can mean spiritual or physical healing. Do you remember when Jesus healed the uh, ten lepers? The same interesting use of words comes there. As they went to the priest, they were cleansed. And one seeing he was cured, again a different word, returned to Jesus, glorifying God, falling on his face before Jesus in worship. And Jesus says, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Now the Greek word now is sozo. <laughs> you, you look through James and the same Greek word sozo is used four times. And in every one, it's unambiguously talking about spiritual salvation. Look, look at 5 verse 20. Whoever turns a, savior, a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover a multitude of sins. Now the same Greek word there is sozo. Save them from their sins. Save them spiritually. Well, what about this anointing with oil? This is interesting. That idea comes 78 times in the Bible. In the vast majority, 
it's a physical act which has got a symbolic significance. You remember the shepherd boy David was anointed with oil by Samuel. He was going to be God's anointed one, God's king. And it's especially used when people are anointed or consecrated for God's service. You know, the queen, she's anointed with oil at her uh, coronation. They are set apart for God. It's a great shame that people think that something magical about the oil that's used. There's an awful uh, thing that's come out of this passage is the Roman Catholic sacrament of extreme unction. It's a perversion of this passage. This passage is saying, support the people who are going through ills. Let's just look at the context of the, the passage. We've, uh, uh, look at, look at seven, uh, 5, 7 to 11. What's he after? James wants the Christians to be patient in the face of suffering, to persevere in the faith. Now that's spiritual, isn't it? Now look on to 5, 19 to 20. Helping restore those who've drifted from the truth of the gospel. That's clearly spiritual, surely. Now we've seen uh, the context of the letter. He's concerned that some people in the churches are drifting away and have slipped into a disastrous state of double-mindedness. He's concerned for the well-being of their souls. That's their whole being. So what's the likely meaning as James approaches the climax of his letter? Do you think he's just chucking a few random thoughts about promised physical healing if the right procedures are followed? Or is he bringing to a head his whole argument, the subject he's been talking about all the way through? We, we already know that dependent prayer is the way to unlock heavenly wisdom. And this is the way to being empowered to live wholeheartedly for God. So highly likely that this is the same theme here. <laughs> Look at the, the idea of forgiveness that comes immediately afterwards. If we have sinned, the Lord will raise them up. See, the Bible is very clear that uh, illness and misfortune are not the result of an individual sin necessarily. It just happens we're in a fallen world. So what's James mean here? Again, it suggests there's a spiritual element to this person's malaise. The answer to sin is to return to God and his people. Now, for me, there's a real clincher to this argument. Uh, look at the illustration that's used. It, he talks about Elijah. Now, in, in 16 to 18, it's a model, Elijah is, for us to pray. But note what story he did not choose from Elijah. If he was talking about physical illness, death, then he'd have talked about the, surely, the raising of the 
son of the uh, widow of, Na of Zarephath. That's a supernatural, remarkable miracle. But he doesn't do that. He picks on another example where the problem was sin. He chooses a time when Israel was double-minded, not knowing whether to follow Baal or to follow Jehovah, limping between two opinions. So Elijah prayed earnestly that it would not rain. It's a punishment for spiritual malaise, half-heartedness. Then came the, sh the showdown, as you know, on Mount Carmel, where Elijah brought back the people who'd been wandering back to God. Elijah prayed and the, the rains came then. See, this is what James is referring to. It isn't about the power of prayer to heal someone who's got terminal cancer because oil has been poured on them. No, it's about the power of God activated through prayer to restore the wayward, the spiritually weak. So this is the message. If you realize that you're spiritually weak, then get involved with the leaders of the church. Get them to pray for you. As we've seen, that there are many, many causes, you know, particular trials. Money, family, work, illness. But perhaps not persevering in hearing the word of God and doing what God wants is what's important. So James is saying, don't throw in the towel. Don't drift. Ask the church leaders to pray for you. Just admit it. I've mucked up. That's not the life God wants me to live. I don't want it either. I want to dedicate my life back to God. Please pray for me. Now then, the oil makes sense. You see, it reminds you that you're then an anointed child of God, a chosen person, God's special possession, chosen for a purpose, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Fully restored, forgiven. It's a wonderful passage, isn't it? Look, verse 15. And the prayer offered in faith will make, promise, the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they've sinned, they'll be forgiven. It's a wonderful promise. The joy to know I'm forgiven, I'm covered with God's spirit, his oil, for his purposes. Restored back to the team. And on that day, that last day, we'll be given the crown of life. Doesn't that excite you? This is what James is after. We in the church, we're a team for God. He's saying to people, don't get out on a limb. Don't let yourself be isolated. Let's be open with each other. Confess our sins so that we can be healed. Healed of all the spiritual malaise that may come from any cause. Again, the Greek word here, uh, Ionomai, it, it can mean either physical or spiritual healing. It's the same word, 
is used in Hebrews, Hebrews 12. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees, make level paths for your feet, so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. It's the same word. It's the spiritually lame. This letter ends just by encouraging us just to look out and to care for the spiritually sick. There are many people who've had connections with us in Christchurch, but who, for all sorts of reasons, have drifted. Verse 16 shows that this is for all of us. So let's pray that we can help the spiritually sick. Pray for them. And James reminds us there's nothing special about Elijah. He's just an ordinary man like you and me. Frail. The only reason God used him was he prayed earnestly. And he kept praying. There's nothing that stops us doing what Elijah did for Israel. If we pray earnestly, pray for our country, pray for North Hearts, pray that God will use us to draw people to himself. Now, Parliament's in the, uh, in the news at the moment. You know, in the lobby of the House of Parliament is an inscription on the floor. It, it says in Latin, Psalm 127, verse 1, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labour in vain that build it. <laughs> that message, unfortunately, is being trampled underfoot by many pol politicians every day. But think what God could achieve among us and through us if we're sold out to seeking God's will. This is what the message of James is about. Praying is what leads us to be single-minded in our devotion to our perseverance in Christ. Well, as a, a summary, look at down at the right at the end. My brothers and sisters, verse 19. If one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, whether it's church elder, whether it's someone in the church, Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save from death and cover a multitude of sins. Isn't that wonderful? They can be anointed with God's spirit. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, please help each one of us to have this concern, to help others return to a close fellowship with you and your church. Lord, show us. Help us to pray so that we know who to get close to. Lord, please help each one of us to be committed to prayer so that we persevere in living with and for the Lord Jesus. So go with us, Lord, this week, we pray. Be the holiday club, be everything that goes on for your sake. Amen.